Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for your word, and we thank you for how it challenges us. We recognise that our minds are still sinful, and often what we read in your word, it uh, it antagonises us, and we do not like what is said there. But Lord, we pray that you may uh, help us to understand that it is your word, and it is not merely the opinion of somebody else, but this is the opinion of God, the God who made everything, the God who made us. And you know what is best for us. Lord, we pray that as we look at your word this morning, that you may help us to understand it, and that as we read it and listen to what it says, we may be able to want to put that into our lives. By your Holy Spirit, give us the strength so that we are challenged, but we also have the strength to implement your word and do what it says. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we're continuing to look at the book of 1 Peter. And last week we started chapter 3, which is one of those chapters in the Bible that is very controversial in our culture, where it talks about wives submitting to their husbands. And so we looked at uh, verses 1 and 2 last week. And this week we're going to continue looking at the instructions that are given by the Apostle Peter to wives Uh, the next four verses, and then the following week, of course, we'll look at what the Apostle Peter says to husbands. This morning, as we look at verses 3 to to 6, we're looking at the question of what is beauty? What is true beauty? What is beautiful? The word beautiful is thrown around all the time about different things that we see in our lives. We can see that artwork is beautiful. So we go to an art gallery and we look at things that people have painted or, uh, or made or fashioned and formed, and we say that is a beautiful piece of artwork. We can look at houses and say, you have a really beautiful home. This house is, is just really nice to look at. It's beautiful. We look at gardens, people's landscaping around the homes, not just the inside but the outside. We say, that's really beautiful. And even people say this about cars. You look at a car and you say, that's a beautiful car. I'm very conscious of this at the moment because uh, we are looking at changing, well, we are changing, our current family vehicle. Our Corolla is just a little bit too small for two baby seats to be in and then try and fit anyone in the middle. And so we're having to look at upgrading to a bigger car. And so we're, it looks like we're going to be getting a Toyota Tarago. And so there's eight seats available so that when I have my next four children, although that's debatable, you have to take that up with uh, Jill. Uh, well, I will have to take that up with Jill when I, one day. But we've got two so far, but I hope to fill the Tarago with children. And, uh, and so that's why we've gone for this uh, bigger vehicle. But as we've been shopping around... Uh, and getting advice from people, people continue to say to me, Joel, you know Tarago's a daggy. They're not uh, a beautiful car. And I was even aware of this as we sat down and we were signing contracts to buy this Tarago and, uh, and the girl comes in and we sit down with her and she says, okay, I'm here to tell you all about all the extras that you can get on your car and you need paint protection, you need um, to protect the inside of the car and she said because you don't want to damage your, your vehicle to, uh, to look bad. And I said, if I cared about looks, I wouldn't be buying a Tarago, would I? 
And so I said, so I'm not buying, I'm not paying extra for the paint and for the protection for the interior of the car. And I said, we're just going to fill it with children and they're going to destroy it anyway. So I don't think there's much point to paying all that extra. Uh, we, but people do recognise this with cars, don't they? They call them beautiful. What about people? Do we call people beautiful? Well, yes, we call people beautiful all the time. If you read any celebrity magazine, the word beautiful is going to be throughout it, talking about this model, this actress, this actor. Beautiful people are said to be around us all the time. But the Apostle Peter has a message for us, and he has a message of what true beauty is. And firstly, he tells us what true beauty is not. And that's my first main point this morning. If you've got a church bulletin there on the back page, you can see my main points. And my first main point this morning is true beauty is not outward. And we see this in verse 3 of 1 Peter chapter 3, page 1202 of the Black Church Bibles, page 1202. 1 Peter 3, verse 3 says, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment. Your beauty should not be outward. And then he gives examples of how people often make themselves appear to be beautiful from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewellery and fine clothes. He says, true beauty is not from the outward appearance. And it's not what your hair looks like. It's not what jewellery you have on. And it's not the kind of clothes that you're wearing. That is not what is true beauty. And of course, this flies in the face of our culture, doesn't it? We are sold products all the time with the message that this is the way to be beautiful. People put all their time into manufacturing different cosmetics, different things for your hair, uh, and different fashions for your clothes and different jewellery. They put all that time in there, into making those so that you can be beautiful and then you have all these people who spend all this time trying to advertise those things to you and then you spend all this time receiving those advertisements and having to sit through them on the television set and then of course we spend so much time purchasing those things that are told to us will make us look beautiful. But Peter says external adornment, outward adornment isn't true beauty. Now question is Is Peter saying that we shouldn't care about our looks at all? Is that what Peter is saying? That we shouldn't care about our hair. We shouldn't care about jewellery. And we shouldn't care about clothing, about fine clothes. No, I don't think that's what Peter is saying. And there's one very good reason, a couple of other reasons, why he is not saying don't care about your looks at all. And the first is because of the way that he writes here in 1 Peter 3 verse 3, about the clothing. Uh, The NIV translation isn't very good here. It's a bit misleading, but I can see what they're trying to do. But it does tell us that Peter doesn't want you to not care about your looks at all. Verse 3 says, Your beauty should not come from outward adornments such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewellery and fine clothes. The word fine, it's not there in the original Greek. The NIV translators have gone... What's he on about? Oh, he's on about um, really good-looking clothes, and, and they've added the word fine there. It's just the word clothes there. And so Peter, is, if, if you're going to say that we shouldn't worry about our hair and we shouldn't wear, worry about jewellery, then you have to say that Peter is also saying don't wear clothes. 
And that can't be what Peter is saying here. He's not advocating, um, what is it, nudity. No, he's not saying that at all. He is saying here that you shouldn't have an excessive concern for what you look like on the outside. God does want us to take an interest on what we look like. God wants you to care for your body. He wants you to look after it and make sure you look okay. He just doesn't want you to have an excessive interest in looking at what you look like on the outside and thinking that you're a beautiful person because of what you look like. No, he wants you to take a bath. All Christians should be washing themselves and looking after themselves. That's not what this verse is saying. No, take an interest in what you look like, but not an excessive interest is what Peter is saying. He doesn't want you to be like the Amish and think that you have to be very plain and not interesting to look at at all. God loves his creation to look good. When he makes the creation, what does he say? It was very good. He likes things to look beautiful. But he's saying that true beauty is not on the outside. So where is true beauty? If true beauty is not outward adornment, what is truly beautiful? Well, my second main point then is true beauty is inward. True beauty is inward. And we read that in verse 4. Instead, it should be that of your inner self. What's on the inside counts. And you hear this line from time to time in our, our culture. Beauty is only skin deep. And, and people say it's what's on the inside that matters. True beauty is on the inside. And what is a beautiful inner self? Well, he continues, verse 4, Instead it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. A gentle and quiet spirit is a truly beautiful thing. A spirit that's not rough, not bad-tempered, not restless, not rebellious, not disturbed all the time and discontented, but a spirit that is gentle and quiet, one that's amiable, friendly, Peaceful. That's what's beautiful. Someone who is like that on the inside. What else is it? What else is true beauty? Well, it's submission to husbands. If we continue down from verse 4, we read at verse 5, it says, For in this way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Last week, we spoke quite a bit about submission uh, to husbands and the husband's in, uh, his, his role in the, in the home and how he is not to be abusive to his wife, but he's meant to be a good leader who cares for her. And next week, of course, I will look at husbands and the duties that they have. But this week, we also see here that submission is beautiful in the home. It is something that is attractive. The holy women of the past did it, and Sarah is the example that is held up here. Sarah is an important example, particularly for a Jewish audience, because Sarah, of course, is the wife of Abraham, and Abraham is said to be the father of the Jews. They all look back to their father, Abraham. And so what do what does the, the Jewish women meant to look back to? They meant to look back to Sarah, who was submissive to her husband, and that was said to be beautiful. And what did she do? She called her husband master. Now, does that mean that's what you're meant to do? All Christian men uh, are meant to make their wives call them master? 
No, I don't think that's what's being said here. Yes, he, uh, Sarah did say that, but it was part of the culture of her day, the custom of her day, that uh, that was the way that she referred to her husband. Because we read the passage, the only passage in the Old Testament where she actually calls her husband master in Genesis 18. And did you notice the context in which she was saying it? She was talking to herself. She was talking about Abraham to herself. If we look back in Genesis chapter 18, Genesis 18, the only time that she speaks about Abraham, Genesis 18, and she's listening at the tent there in verse 12. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? It's a throwaway line. It's just so commonplace to her to call her husband master. And so I can't really think of an equivalent today, maybe honey, dear, that kind of thing, that the means that the husband is dear to you, he's very special, and that you have a great concern about his desires for you and what you, he would have you do. But submission is a beautiful thing in the home. That's what Peter wants you to understand. So beauty is not outward. It's not, and beauty is inward. But this sounds, of course, like a lot harder work to do, to be gentle and quiet and submissive, are things that don't come very easily. It'd be much easier to be beautiful on the outside, wouldn't it? To pay an interest to your hair, pay an interest to your clothes, and give people the, the outward appearance that you are a beautiful person. So why be beautiful? Why would you want to be beautiful? Why would you want to have this gentle and quiet spirit? Why would you want to be submissive to your husband? Well, my third main point then is reasons to be truly beautiful. And the first reason that we're given by Peter, which we looked at a little more closely last week, is that true beauty wins people to Christianity. Remember that this, this context here is Peter talking to wives about how to behave as Christians and particularly, he's, he's got a particular angle in verse 2 to those women who are married to non-Christian husbands. I'll read from verse 1. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Peter is encouraging the wives to be beautiful so that unbelieving husbands who they may be married to may be won over, not through what they say, but through what they do. And if they are beautiful through having a gentle and quiet spirit and being submissive, their husbands can be won over. Of course, this makes you think, oh, um, why would a woman think that outward appearance is going to win over her husband? Well, that's a common idea, wouldn't it be, that if uh, you've got a non-Christian husband and you want him to become a Christian, how can you win him for Christ? Oh, well, if I look really good all the time, he'll be a happy man and then he'll want to be a Christian as well because he'll just be happy that I look good all the time. Well, here's a tip for you, for the ladies out there who spend a lot of time making themselves look good. Men don't pay all that much attention to all the work that you put into making yourself look good. And, of course, the common example is when a 
girl or a wife gets a haircut, does he notice? Or does she have to draw attention to the fact that she's had a haircut? Or if she's wearing some kind of new new jewellery, does he notice that, oh, that's a really nice necklace you've got on? And does he even notice whether it's a true diamond that you have in your ring or in your earrings? Or would glass be just as sufficient in his eyes to what you're wearing? Husbands don't pay all that much attention to those things that some girls put a lot of time and attention into. But generally, people are very much attracted to the type of person you are. It doesn't matter how good you look on the outside. If you're a mean, horrible person, chances are a relationship that you have with someone isn't going to last very long. They get turned off by the ugliness that you have on the inside. Whereas if you're a beautiful person on the inside, you're gentle and quiet and peaceful and friendly and amiable towards them, there's a very good chance that they're going to be strongly attracted to you and want to be like you and want to become a Christian. The other way that, of course, true beauty can win people to Christianity is not just through the witness of people being attracted to that kind of gentle and quiet spirit, of course, is that it breaks down barriers of class. If you're not so concerned about outward adornment, then class distinctions are minimised. If Christian women always coming to church and trying to better one another by how they look, and someone who comes in who doesn't have much money and isn't able to make themselves look as good as someone else in the church, then they're going to feel inferior. Whereas if there's not so much time spent to outward appearance, it can reduce class distinctions and make uh, a group of Christians more attractive to people to become a part of it. And, of course, it frees up money for evangelism. If you're constantly buying diamonds, I don't think you've got as much money to give away to missions and to making sure that people are going out with the gospel. All that money that you pour into external adornment, it can be used for the propagation of the gospel. So being truly beautiful can win people to Christ. Secondly, true beauty is unfading. Verse 4, instead... It, that's beauty, should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. True beauty is unfading. Braided hair eventually deteriorates and has to be maintained, and eventually, when you die, the hair just all falls out and baldness is there. You can pay all that attention to hair that will one day be lost. It's fading hair. Gold jewellery, it's not going to be yours forever. It fades, it starts to go dirty and it needs to be clean. Jewellery has that, uh, that case all the time that you're meant to pay attention and get. They have those stalls in the malls where they say, I'll oh, bring your ring over and show, I'll show you how clean it can get. Jewellery doesn't last, it fades. Diamonds are not forever. One day you will leave all the diamonds behind that you own and they will be somebody else's diamonds. Fine clothes, well, they deteriorate with the ultraviolet light of the sun and this kind of thing, but of course they're yesterday's fashion as well. What you're wearing today, people will look back in 20 years at photos of you and laugh about what you're wearing, just as you're laughing at what people wore in the 80s or even earlier. All that money you put into those fine clothes fades away. 
and they deteriorate and will just be laughed at one day. But true beauty is unfading. It doesn't matter whether you're a child, whether you're a teenager, whether you're a young adult, whether you're an adult, whether you're an elderly person. If you have a gentle and quiet spirit, it is unfading and always attractive. Some elderly people that I've known, the world would not say they're beautiful. But I know they're beautiful because I know who they are and what they're like on the inside. And you can say to an elderly person, you truly are beautiful because I see the gentleness of Christ in you. I see the quiet spirit that you have. You are a beautiful person. And that beauty doesn't stop when you die. You have that beauty forever in heaven. And it will just get more and more beautiful. At the moment, you can have a, we get a glimpse of what true beauty is in people. But in heaven, we will see people as truly beautiful because all the sin will be removed and people will be like Christ forever. And then thirdly, true beauty, why would you want to have it? It's of great worth in God's sight. Verse 4, Instead it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Wouldn't you want to have the beauty that gets the tick of God and not the tick necessarily of the people around you? You may not get the tick of the fashion gurus by what you look like, but if you have a gentle and quiet spirit, God sees you as valuable. And that is a good reason to have true beauty. He is the one we should be trying to please and not the people around us. But what about if you're not a married woman? Is there any application of this text for you today? Well, my fourth main point is that everyone should get true beauty and get it from Jesus Christ. Everyone should be hungering after true beauty because Jesus was never married, and he's not a woman, but he was called gentle. The exact same word that is used here in 1 Peter 3, 4 was used of Jesus Christ, that he was gentle. And you as people created by God are supposed to be Christ-like. You're supposed to be like him. And the same word for gentle here is also used in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. It's translated there, meek, but it's the exact same word. Everybody is meant to be gentle. Everybody is meant to be Christ-like. How do you get that true beauty then? How do you get gentleness? Well, firstly, you need to become a Christian. If you're not a Christian, you are a sinner through and through. There is nothing good in you. You need to be forgiven by Jesus Christ. And then you will be truly beautiful because Jesus Christ washes you and cleanses you of all the sin that is in your life. You need to repent of your sins and believe in Jesus Christ's death for you. Nothing else can wash away your sin, only the blood of Jesus Christ. At the cross, he is there dying for your sin. And you need to believe that that is so. If you believe that is so, 
then you are a truly beautiful person because all of Jesus' gentleness, his quiet spirit, all his righteousness comes over from him and is on your account. And all your unrighteousness, all your unruliness, your rebellion, your war that you make against other people, the hateful things you do, is taken over and put on Jesus' head at the cross. And so you are a beautiful person because of what Jesus Christ has done at the cross for you. If you're not a Christian, I encourage you to repent of your sins and believe that Jesus died for you today so that you have true beauty, a beauty that is of great worth in God's eyes and unfading, a beauty that lasts forever. And if you are a Christian, well, you need to keep on repenting. Just like when you became a Christian, you were sorry for your sins, you need to keep on repenting that you have been chasing after false beauty, beauty that comes from outward adornment. It's so very easy to get trapped into thinking what you look like and spending excessive time in it. You've got to be vigilant, and when you find that you're spending too much time caring about your looks, repent, and then follow Jesus Christ's example. Be gentle, cultivate a quiet spirit in yourself, and consider that as true beauty. When you look at others, don't look at the outward appearance. Think about what they're like on the inside and find that attractive if it is Christ-like in them. And if they're not, if they're rude, obnoxious, horrible people and, it, and they look really good on the outside, still find that ugly. Look at people and consider them for what they're like on the inside rather than on the outside and find attractive those who are Christ-like. None of us not, not all of us have access to fine clothes, to be able to do our hair and to go to the hairdresser every week. Not all of us have access to buy jewellery and to have diamonds all over, all over our bodies. But all of us have access to true beauty. We all have access to Jesus Christ. He welcomes all those who will come to him. I encourage you all to find true beauty and find it in Jesus Christ. Let us speak with him now. Heavenly Father, we do repent of our excessive concern for what we look like on the outside and how little concern we have for what we look like on the inside. Lord, we pray that you may cultivate in all of us a gentle and quiet spirit because that is of great worth in your eyes and is unfading and wins people to yourself. Lord, we pray that anyone here this morning who has not become a Christian may see themselves for what they are, may see their sin in all its ugliness, and may they flee to Jesus Christ for true beauty in repentance and faith. And Lord, we pray that we as Christians may cultivate in our own lives true beauty. May we read your word regularly and may we pray that you will grant us the ability to be gentle and quiet and submissive to those in authority over us 
and peaceful to everyone around us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.